When tax time comes around, are you being reactive or proactive? Do you find yourself swimming in a sea of questions? Like, is it better to do my tax return cheaply? How do I know if I'm doing them the right way? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we'll answer these questions and many more. Sharpen your pencils and take some notes. Now, here's your host, Marcelino Dodge. Welcome today to the Tax Answers Advisor. This is the one and only, and many are thankful for it, Marcelino Dodge on show number 24 and building. I am trying to help you to swim through the large, large ocean of taxes, be it your individual taxes or business taxes. Today, though, because we're going to be talking about employee or contractors, uh, on imp- classifying your employees is going to be a little bit of a combination because you could be some type of entity and have employees or you could just be a Schedule C sole proprietor and have employees as well. So there's going to be a big combo today as we look at that. But it's interesting because there's so much happening in the last week with the signing of the American Rescue Plan. That seems to be real big in the news, the stimulus payments, $1,400 going out, uh, some of the other provisions in it. But What happens, at least what I think is happening with this, is that a lot of other potential tax issues are getting ignored because these others are so big, so up there and everything because they've just become top of mind. But that's why I'm going to talk about employees and contractors, proper classification, because at least in my mind, information such as this is just as important as all the other information that's in the American Rescue Plan. I'm just going to touch on a a few key provisions, of course, some of the $1,400 payments per person have started arriving for some throughout the country via direct deposit. Now, also, one of the big provisions, of course, which is a hassle for myself as a tax preparer and many others who have done tax returns with unemployment compensation because they, uh, as a part of it, have $10,200 a $10, exclusion per taxpayer of unemployment received. Now, that's, once again, per taxpayer. Uh, So if there's a married couple and one of them has maybe more unemployment, one of them has less unemployment, there's still only $10,200 per taxpayer. So that could end up meaning uh, for myself and other tax preparers, a nightmare perhaps either having to amend a return or supersede a return. So just going to kind of depend on what's if it's actual benefit for the client or not, which was why we stop and really take a close look at that. Now, one other point they talk about, and this is just fact, because uh, I relate facts in this program, is that there are tax provisions regarding the child tax credit, raising that to 3000 making it refundable, or 3600 if your child's age five and under. Now, the challenge, this is one of the provisions with this, is the fact that this provision really does not benefit until either later on in the year or even until next year. So it's not assistance right now as of the date of this broadcast or the date of the signing of the of the law. Now there are some advanced payments that they're going to start in July which is going to be reconciled next year in the year 2022. Now these advanced payments are supposed to start in July but who knows how well that's actually going to work for taxpayers. It's going to be interesting to see. Plus, they also made it up to age 17 that uh, the child tax credit can be uh, received. There's other benefits. Uh, 
throughout this. We're not going to get into too much of those discussion because that's it's just too detailed. It can be very muddled, at least I think, to go through in a broadcast like this, especially since i got another focus I want to focus on here. Uh, but there's many benefits tax-wise that, once again, don't really benefit until 2022. Now, they'd make some uh, other provisions for employer-reimbursed uh, dependent daycare that they can reimburse more than $5,000. Now, how many employees are actually going to do that? Who knows? Uh, it seems odd to raise a benefit like that available when so many other so many businesses are struggling these times. So. And also the day dependent daycare credit that is available for uh, parents that are having uh, their children in daycare, that was raised and also made refundable. Now, once again, with that, maybe they'll spend a little more this year on daycare. I don't know what's going to happen with it, but that is one of those benefits that really doesn't benefit in 2021, and it's just a fact. It really doesn't benefit until a tax return is filed in 2022 for this year. So don't let don't let people mislead you in the fact that everything's benefiting in 2021. It just doesn't happen. Uh, when you go and file a tax return, or I prepare these tax returns next year, I'm going to ask when these things are. Many of these are going to start occurring. So just please keep that in mind. Then the big announcement that just came out yesterday is that. Tax day has now been extended to May 17th. So for the second year in a row, we have the taxes just extended by the IRS for when they're going to be due to be paid and to be filed. So we'll leave that as it is and we'll just uh, move on and, and just get taxes done. Now, the main topic for today is, of course, talking about your employees that you have working for you in your business. Are they actual employees or are they independent contractors? Now, another area that comes into the discussion, which I'll do a little bit more detail later in this broadcast, is another area that that is a statutory employee, which since uh, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act came out, uh, there's been a few more classified as statutory employees now. But why would some perhaps take a risk to try to classify people working for them instead as of employees as independent contractors. Well, of course, some try to do it because they want to, quote, save costs. And because they want to save costs, they think, well, we're going to save a lot of money on the employment taxes, which is, uh, of course, that's the Medicare matching that employers do and the Social Security matching that employers do, which is 7.65%. Uh, so they, they, that's, that actually is not a lot. But they also have, of course, uh, federal unemployment, which is actually not very much either. The state unemployment may or, not, may or may not be that much depending on the state that you are in and what your rate is according to your industry. And then, of course, the biggie is why some try to do that is for workers' compensation savings, which that could actually be the biggest savings perhaps. And I always put savings in quote on this because the when you look at what happens with misclassification of an employee, it can be a very, very dangerous practice. Now, I say that because I have had individuals who have 
had to pay back. And see, what happens is is if you classify someone as a independent contractor and they are actually an employee and the IRS gets wind of it, there can be enormous penalties. There can be not just the taxes because you, you have to pay not just the employment taxes, the the matching and the withholding, you'd actually would have to pay both uh, behind. But you would also have penalties. You'd have interest. All that built up on this by the IRS for your fail, failure to properly report your contractors who would be more class who would be more correctly classified as employees. So we want to avoid those penalties. Now I really hit on this because I've had this I've had it I have had experience with this particular area in that the IRS isn't the one so much to be worried about when it comes to employee classification. It's actually whatever state you live on, each state's Department of Labor in some cases, have stricter rules when it comes to employee classification than the IRS does. So the IRS rules that I'm going to review today are like the starting point of proper employee classification. Because then you got to go back and look, okay, how do these uh, rules from the IRS compare with what my state Department of Labor says? And as an employer, it's good to uh, keep that in mind and good to know those. Because if you do get an audit from the state of uh, 1099s because it can very easily happen where you can have a 1099 employee, well, contractor, a person that uh, you gave a 1099 to and they file a complaint with the State Department of Labor about their classification. That can actually trigger an audit from the State Department of Labor into your business to uh, check on employee classification, and when they go through that, the state can actually reclassify and say, you know, for this year, all of these individuals to whom you give a 1099, they they should have received a W-2, and we're going to reclassify them back to employees. And you end up paying the state unemployment uh, penalties, and the state unemployment rates for those, uh, in some cases, former employees. And that's just the beginning of it when you misclassify. The second part of that is that once the state has reclassified them, then you need to go in and take care of it with the IRS. And go out, fix 1099s that were issued wrongly. And then change them into W-2s. Then you got to go back and file the 941s uh, for each quarter. Get those all filed and get all the taxes associated with them paid. And you got to do that right away because if you don't do that when your state classifies it, it can, it's one of those deals that can really come back and hurt you at a later date. Now, if you have done this, in the past and you want to avoid any problems with the IRS because it's interesting because when the state comes in, the Department of Labor comes in, their penalties actually are not that bad. Uh, I've actually had a client this happen to. Uh, they got audited. We went through and actually I agreed with the state in this case. I didn't. I could not get the client to uh, 
properly classified. So I says, well, this is what could happen. And exactly what I thought happened, happened. But the state penalties weren't that bad. But where the penalties can come in is if the IRS comes in, because if you have an employee or a contractor that you gave a 1099 to, and I've done, I've actually done this, uh, who, who was, you believe was misclassified. I have actually filed, there's a form you can file when you file a tax return that says, I believe I was misclassified by this person. They shouldn't have given me a 1099. They should have given me a W-2, which basically then what that does is that that takes that employer who had issued out a 1099 on the IRS radar. And once they're on the IRS radar, the IRS can come in and say, uh, what's happening here? We want to take a look at how you're classifying your employees and then we want to examine and see if it meets up to our guidelines as to whether they are an employee or are they an independent contractor. Now, the employer is very smart if they realize, you know, we got something wrong here. We need to go ahead and fix this. Well, it's good is that there's actually a program the IRS has that allows you to basically get a free pass if you come up front and say, you know, I've been doing this wrong. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to go forward. And you just file and they give you a break on the taxes for that year, on the employment taxes for actually for the year when you make the correction, which is simply marvelous. Uh, And you avoid penalties and interest that way as well. So if you come clean and just do it up front, the IRS just will take care of you. They'll work with you. I actually had, a once again, a client that I went through this program with. We filled out everything, did exactly everything according to IRS guidelines, and we've been doing it exactly ever since. We never heard from the IRS. We got, hey, you're good. Just take care of this, and they took care of us. So I want to make sure and urge employers to make sure you classify correctly. Now, we do, as I mentioned, some states do try to do things really strictly. I mean, The biggest one we know of is California, tried to reclassify the Uber and Lyft drivers as employees. Uh, They tried to pass a law, but uh, the companies went in, they got an injunction, and the November election come up, and they managed to get it approved where ride-sharing and delivery drivers are considered independent contractors by California law. So that's where we see different departments of labor try to go in and just make adjustments to whatever they, they think is right or correct. Now, for Uber and Lyft drivers, you, there's different opinions on that, but it's it's hard to really know. At least from my standpoint, as a tax preparer and looking at them in relation to the IRS guidelines, which is what I'm looking at here, to me, they would be independent contractors, and it would only be hurting them to classify them as employees. At least that's my professional opinion base, because I've I mean I've used these services, and it certainly seems reasonable that it's more more beneficial to them to be independent contractors with the flexibility and everything that they they work with because some of them do some people do both companies so they're not even exclusively working for one company so it's quite an interesting deal so my basic thing is do not take the risk no matter what state you live in do not take the risk make sure all of your employees or those whom you have working for you are properly classified as either an employee or an independent contractor there. What we're going to do, we're going to take a little break here, but when we come back, we're going to go and start taking a look at the exact uh, criteria uh, used by the IRS. Like I say, this is used by the IRS, not by state departments of labor, but by the IRS 
to determine whether an individual is an employee or an independent contractor. So we're going to come back and take a closer look at that in just a couple minutes on the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you wanting to grow wealth faster, save time, and build a nest egg? Hire a tax pro who makes you money and does more than just file your tax return. Marcelino Dodge at Cash Tracks Financial identifies your key numbers, works year-round to improve your numbers, keeps you compliant, and helps you achieve goals faster. Call Marcelino Dodge today, 719-336-8739 to schedule your free tax strategy review. Call 336-8739 or visit CashTracksFinancial.com. Many people want to build wealth or grow their business faster but do not know what specific numbers to look at that actually help build monthly cash flow. Hire a tax pro who makes you money and does more than just file your tax return. Marcelino Dodge at Cash Tracks Financial identifies your key numbers, works year-around to improve your numbers, keeps you compliant, and helps you achieve goals faster. Schedule your free tax strategy review by calling 719-336-8739 or visit CashTracksFinancial.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. To reach our program today, please call in. The number is 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to success at cashtracksfinancial.com. Now, back to the Tax Answers Advisor. Welcome back to the Tax Answers Advisor. This is Marcelino Dodge. I am so appreciative of you listening to today's program as we're talking about properly classifying your employees, those individuals who work for you. Yes, you need to make sure as you're conducting business, and most businesses really don't have an issue with this. There are some who, for lack of a better way to put it, some people are just cheap and think they're doing uh, themselves a favor by issuing people 1099s when they should be uh, probably getting W-2s in the course of their work. So that's why we're touching on this because it can be, in the long run, it can be very costly because the IRS can go back and say, oh, you know, you did this wrong for years, so guess what? You owe us X amount of taxes, penalties, and interest for years. So as we come back and take a look at this, what we're going to first of all is look at one of the areas that the IRS looks at is behavior in the course of conducting business. So what is the employer doing? One of the areas that is is instructions given to the employee. Yes, that's like giving what kind of uh, direction do they give them to complete a certain task. 
Are they giving them specific instructions? Okay, you. this is your assignment. This is what you're going to do. Uh, this is where you're going to go. All of these kind of areas and behavior. Is there a certain amount of behavior control with these instructions? And with this, uh, is it's very important because, once again, how much control do they have over the behavior? If there's a certain amount of behavioral control, then yes, this person is an employee, not a contractor. Another area is tools provided to the worker. Is the worker using uh, tools or equipment that the employer provides? Now, one of my big uh, challenges that I run into with this is the fact in tools, I look at this like, for example, in the trucking industry, is that if an individual is driving a truck that is owned by the person they're working for, the employer, so to speak, and the employer puts in the the fuel, he maintains the truck, it could very well be likely that that person, he's a truck driver, but yet because he's using the tool, the equipment provided by the owner of the truck, He could very well actually be not an independent contractor, but the employer. Now, the other part of that that falls in this too, uh, which gets more into relationship, is the fact is if that person is only driving a truck and only doing runs for that particular uh, owner of the truck. So that's just one example. The other example could be in like in a shop of some sort. Well, many times many mechanics have their own tools. But sometimes uh, you're in certain shops or uh, other areas where certain tools are provided for the, for the individuals working there. Well, that those tools being provided by the employer, once again, more likely uses that person as an employee. Another area is other individuals with whom you are working with. So you're not the only one working there. you got several working there in the area or in the business with you. And sometimes they help you do stuff. But you're not paying them to help you. So you're the one doing the work. But the other individual helping you is actually still getting paid by, by the employer there. Well, when you have that kind of assistance, then once again, you are probably an employee and so if, as the employer, you probably need to recognize, yes, this person is an employee. Also, if the firm or employer, once again, I kind of touched on this a little bit already, other equipment and services for, for you, and you're providing these as a part for the individuals coming into your place of business and working for you, you're providing them this equipment, you're providing them these various services, uh, then yes, this person is probably your employee, even though they're they're driving to, I don't know, some extended location. If you have certain locations uh, or different locations where you're working and they're driving, but you still provide the equipment, you provide the services for them to be able to go out and do their business and do what they need to do. They're still probably an employee. And then the other part that fits into this behavioral portion. Does the business provide training for the individual? This is perhaps one of the biggies because 
many businesses have certain ways that they they do uh, do business, certain ways that certain services are provided. And though the business then comes in, they have a new person come in, and this person has no skills in what you're doing, but you're offering to train them to do the skill set. Uh, for example, they a person comes in, sometimes I start a new person in my office that needs to learn a little bit more about taxes. Uh, I provide them a certain amount of, of training on tax returns. I provide them uh, some other basic training, of course, in my computer software that I use and so on. The fact that I provide them that training to help them to do the job is the fact that also helps to see that this person would be an employee. Whereas by contrast, if a person, uh, behavioral-wise, if I don't provide them with tools, if I don't uh, provide other workers to assist, uh, they provide all their own equipment, and they all come in trained for a certain task, that person could very well be a contractor. It just, uh, once again, looking at all these various uh, uh, criteria that we have, then we come in and we take a look at another one which really can get really uh, sticky with some people because this is where, of course, getting the money side of it, the financial control, because we, we've gone over behavioral control that uh, – a potential employer has over an employee, but there's also what's known as financial control. So how much uh, is a potential worker investing in facility, investing in tools? And so if if a worker coming into your business has no investment in the facility, has really no investment in tools, or other parts of the business, then that individual is probably your employee. And you want to avoid the 1099 issue. Now, some of the some of the cases, financial control, you may uh, provide them with, uh, for example, a laptop computer as part of their uh, business, uh, of what they're working for you in the business. But here's where the kind of the tricky part gets in is that you provide them with a certain laptop, but they decide, well, this laptop is not quite up to my standards. I'm not, I'm going to go buy me a different one. Well, just because they go and buy a different one that they want to use in the course of conducting your business, that could still be their laptop, but that doesn't make them a contractor. Because basically you still provided them with something, but they chose not to use it. So in that financial control then, Again, they'd still be classified as an employee. Now, the extent that the worker is available uh, to others as well. So, is it how often is this worker available? Are they following a certain schedule that a schedule that that you made as the employer, or are they making their own schedule? See, uh, of course, some of these. All of these can have variations, and some could be maybe by individual and by business may lean more to uh, an independent contractor than an employee. But what's the overall picture? Is basically what I'm going to cut. Is what I'm getting at here with this is that some of these may lean toward contractors, some of them may lead to employee. But if more of them lean toward being an employee, then 
you better classify them as an employee. Also, when it comes to workers compensated for services, yes, who is setting basically the rate of pay for the individual? Are you, as the employer, coming in and say, okay, I'm going to pay you minimum wage, which like Colorado right now, $12.32 an hour. I'm going to pay you that much for your services. And that's that's what it's going to be. So basically, if you, as the employer, are setting the rate of pay, then this person's more than likely your employee. Now, if the worker comes in and says, is coming in saying, well, I'm going to work for $20 an hour, and this is what my services are going to be, then then through negotiation or whatever, that depending on compensation, as well as the fact, if this worker works for others and not just you, and this worker also actually invoices you for the services that they perform, then this worker could be an independent contractor. So just how does that compensation work there? Who sets the pay schedule? That's your other part. And if you come in, especially if you come in and say, that we're going to pay you every two weeks, this is the pay schedule, then probably you have an employee on your hands. And then the worker that's coming in and doing work, are they, again, going to have, this is interesting, in the financial matter part of this, are they going to have a profit or a loss. See, which this is where it really separates an independent contractor from an employee, is that the worker, do they have a financial risk basically in working for you? Because one who is an independent contractor has some financial risk at least and could actually incur a loss or, of course, they could make a profit. But one who is coming into your business, working according to your schedule, your pay rate, uh, and basically is not taking any risk other than getting up in the morning and going to your place of business, uh, but not taking really any financial risk, they are probably your employee. And they're not really conducting business. They're not really making a profit or a loss. So these financial concerns all fall in this. Because one thing I do know, uh, for some state departments of labor, and even with the IRS, it would be, is this person really in business for themselves that you're trying to give a 1099 to? Will they incur a profit or loss? Do they work for other people as well? And sometimes it's even as simple as, do they have a business card that they share with others? And I've kind of gone into some of these areas a little bit because we've covered behavioral qualifications. We've covered the financial considerations. Now, there is also a relationship consideration in regards to employee classification. And this relationship area is relates into, once again, how close is the association with this? 
is there like some type of written agreement or written contract that describes the relationship? Uh, many In many cases, it gets overlooked. And in some cases, what I've actually seen some businesses do is that they'll make up a written contract that says, well, this person who is coming to work for me agrees that he's going to be an independent contractor and other little fine details. Basically, uh, a contract written up to say they're going to avoid playing, paying the employment taxes, which is basically what it's what it's designed to get around. Now, that how good that contract is, based on the words on the paper, I don't know. But oftentimes when I've uh, heard about that and I've read about that, uh, I have no experiences where I live that I hear about these kind of things. I'm like, I'm very suspicious of how valid that contract would hold up in either a State Department of Labor audit or an audit by the IRS on employee classification. So we just got to be very careful with that. So just because we write up a contract doesn't mean that it will be honored in the event of an employment audit. So are provided are you providing the individual with employee type benefits? So uh, are you trying to say, oh well, we're gonna give you a 1099. Oh, but you know, we're gonna give you some, we're gonna give you a little bit of insurance, we're gonna maybe help you on the retirement plan or these other type of benefits, or oh, maybe you could take uh, take part in our uh, dependent daycare or our uh, FSA uh, for medical spending. I mean, just are you providing these type of benefits to an individual but still giving them a 1099? Well, if they're giving them employee-type benefits, then they are an employee. How about the relationship? Of course, in many states, uh, you can basically quit or be fired for, for just about any reason. Uh, so how permanent is the relationship going to be? Usually if an employee, you're looking at the person being with you over a longer period of time, whereas an actual contractor goes in for a specific job, a specific occasion or two, and then they're gone. And so also the how long that relationship's going to last. Then the services that this person performs are they part of the employer's regular port of business? Yes. So if you have perhaps an attorney that's working outside of the office, is that empl- is that attorney that's working for a law firm, an independent contractor, or an employee? Well, there could be a number of circumstances that fall into that. But yet, if that attorney is doing work that is in course with the regular business, that employee could be, well, that lawyer could be an employee of the firm, even though he, in some ways, may be acting like an independent contractor, but he still could be an employee. So just, if you're doing legal work still, in that particular example, you could still be an employee. And then as well as, does this person have unreimbursed business expenses? Now, as an employee, you you could have some unreimbursed expenses. And as a contractor, you could have expenses related to your particular trade or whatever type of work or service that you're performing that the, the business that you're doing the work for does not give you uh, compensation for. So it's 
Those unreimbursed business expenses can be, of course, if you're an employee who has these, of course, you can't deduct these on your tax returns anymore. But yet, how much do you actually have? If a person has more, uh, they could very well be a contractor, depending on, once again, what the circumstances are. And got to look at the whole big picture between behavior, financial, and relationship there. So all of that fits in uh, very closely. Got to look at all these considerations when deciding, okay, is this person going to be an employee or is this person going to be a contractor? Well, we're going to look at uh, some industry considerations and take a look at uh, statutory employees, exactly what those are, as we're going to return in just a couple minutes here on the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you wanting to grow wealth faster, save time, and build a nest egg? Hire a tax pro who makes you money and does more than just file your tax return. Marcelino Dodge at Cash Tracks Financial identifies your key numbers, works year-round to improve your numbers, keeps you compliant, and helps you achieve goals faster. Call Marcelino Dodge today, 719-336-8739 to schedule your free tax strategy review. Call 336-8739 or visit CashTracksFinancial.com. Many people want to build wealth or grow their business faster but do not know what specific numbers to look at that actually help build monthly cash flow. Hire a tax pro who makes you money and does more than just file your tax return. Marcelino Dodge at Cash Tracks Financial identifies your key numbers, works year-around to improve your numbers, keeps you compliant, and helps you achieve goals faster. Schedule your free tax strategy review by calling 719-336-8739 or visit CashTracksFinancial.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. To reach our program today, please call in. The number is 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to success at cashtracksfinancial.com. Now, back to the Tax Answers Advisor. Welcome back to the Tax Answers Advisor. This is Marcelino Dodge. Uh, Appreciate you listening to the program today as we're taking a ride Talking about, are you an employee or are you an independent contractor? Yes, this is a very important issue for employers who are hiring people to make sure they classify them correctly because the tax penalties can just be awful. In this last portion here, we're going to talk about some considerations. Depending on industry that a person or an employer is in, Some of the questions that come up, are they an employee or are they an independent contractor? Is it common practice in a certain industry? And in some industries, like like say I 
work a lot with truck with truck drivers. 1099s can be be common in the trucking industry. Also, uh, 1099s can also be common in agriculture. Because I see a lot of 1099s issued out by uh, farming operations that have like short-term workers during the summer, help them out doing various aspects. Uh, like I say, I'm not certain in some of these cases if uh, the 1099 is correct or not because I just see them coming in. I don't actually work with those individuals, but I know it's very common in agriculture. So uh, then how relevant are each of these factors in these industries? So it's just got to look at very closely. And this is why as I work with individuals and talk to employers on issues such as this, I just sit down, go over these considerations with them and just make sure that they're, they're doing it correctly. And in most cases, it's usually not a big issue. Because most most individuals, reasonable individuals, because that's uh, who I work with, they recognize. Oh, yeah, this 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 would be properly classified as an employee. Yes, but just something we're going to touch on here. If they're not classified as a regular employee, an area where ones might be would be could be classified as what's known as a statutory employee, which is kind of a hybrid between employee and independent contractor, because for like employment taxes for your social security taxes and your medicare taxes a statutory employee is treated as as a regular employee for these purposes the difference being though with the statutory employee is not just a box checked on the w2 but the fact is that a statutory employee can actually claim expenses that they have uh, that they're not reimbursed for by the uh, employer, but they can actually deduct these on a Schedule C, though they're not really in business, but they can deduct these. But there's only four categories that ones can actually qualify in to be able to be a statutory employee. So if you're in one of these categories, uh, these are just going to be kind of a brief overview. You need to be a driver who distributes uh, beverages, except milk, uh, then uh, in Beverages except milk, meat, fruit, or various bake bakery products. And if you're paid on a commission, that type of driver can be a statutory employee. Uh, this is also nice. Uh, and I don't know if it's actually I shouldn't say I don't know if it's nice or not, but it's fascinating because I'm all I also work with life insurance, but I work with several companies. But if an individual sells life insurance full time and primarily just for one company, they could be classified as a statutory employee, which could be very handy if the man is individual is very good at selling life insurance. Also, if they work from employer provided materials, basically employer provides materials, they work for the employer, and then they, of course, return everything to the employer. Uh, These can be a lot more specific. Each of these is kind of hitting them. Now, also, this can fall into a full-time salesperson who works on behalf of the employer, and then they go and they sell merchandise, and this merchandise is then sold for uh, re- resale or supplies and, and the buyer that's buying a business or a buyer's business, whoever's purchasing these uh, supplies or perhaps purchasing uh, inventory, uh, the person that's selling it to them, that full-time salesperson, could be classified as a statutory employee. And they can take a lot of expenses, which is really uh, nice. I, I've worked with these this type of uh, employee. 
And it's very fascinating to fill out the form and to help them out there. And as a result of the Jobs Cat Tax Cut Jobs Act, which regardless of whatever the media says, it did cut taxes on everybody. It was a beautiful thing. It, I had so many people in my uh, practice where I work that had their taxes cut when you actually looked at the numbers. It was wonderful. So don't let anybody ever tell you that that was only for a certain class of people. No, it was for everybody across the board. So anyway, as we look back at statutory employees here, there's some other conditions to be a statutory employee that you need to have. One is contract for all services. You as an individual must perform those personally. So as you personally perform these services, you take them, you work with them, you do them, you do a fantastic job, you can be a statutory employee. As well as as this type of employee, statutory employee, you're not putting a substantial investment into facilities, equipment, or property, which basically you're not really going to be a contractor, you're not really self-employed because you're not really setting up a place where you're going to do business out of, but you're you're just taking care of basic expenses as you go out and you sell the items you're selling or distributing the items you're distributing. Whatever the case may be, if you fall into one of the four categories, so you're not putting that investment in there. And which also makes this uh, possible in these conditions is that you are servicing on a continuous basis the same employer, which makes sense in this can makes sense in this because you're helping out a specific employer because that's in this case a certain contract out there you're getting that employer you're working for them basically you're just working for one but yet because of the uniqueness of your position you can be a statutory employee and then be able to deduct those expenses that you have that if you were a regular employee you would not be able to take but as a statutory employee you can take off the expenses on a Schedule C and then reduce your taxes. Yes, we want to make sure as individuals, especially employers here, classify their workers correctly that you you do so. If they're an employee, individual who basically you make the schedule for, you tell them how much you're going to get paid, uh, you have a relationship with them that's hopefully going to be long term. They're definitely going to be your employee. If you have an individual who does some work on a temporary basis, short term, uh, comes and goes, uh, they bill you for it, which that's a big part to make sure someone is an independent contractor is, do they invoice you? That is absolutely essential, especially with State Department of Labor's. And they're not only working for you. Then they can be an independent contractor. And if you're you're not quite an independent contractor and not quite a full employee, well, they may fall into this statutory employee area, especially if they're only working for you and they fall into the one one of the four particular categories uh, that's available for classification as a statutory employee. Yes, in working with individuals and working with businesses here to help you achieve both business and personal goals, discussions such as this, employee classification with businesses is what is what I do here cash tracks financial yes I am Marcelino Dodge which is just here to help you to understand these areas so much better you can always reach me 
via success at cashtracksfinancial.com. My phone number, 844-394-4287. Also available on Facebook at facebook.com slash cashtracks. Yes, as a office, an office that does more than just tax returns because everybody has goals. Business People start off a business and we're not exactly sure where things are going in this next year. But know that know this, that there is help out there to help to guide you, to help you to uh, make good business decisions, to help you to set goals, whether it be personal goals, individual goals, help you to reach those goals, as well as we don't know what the tax frontier is going to be. There's talk about certain raising of taxes. Our goal here is to do everything within the tax code that we can to help you to reach your goals and to help you to pay as little tax as possible, uh, which there can be any number of uh, suggestions that we make. But in the end, and when it really comes down to that, it really is up to you to make those adjustments, to make those changes. Now, as, uh, as an enrolled agent, I provide services, tax services throughout the United States uh, for individuals and businesses, which is one, one of the really nice Uh, benefits of being an enrolled agent. I'm not licensed by any particular state. I'm licensed by the IRS to to do tax returns and been doing them for 20 plus years now and met a lot of great people and want to continue to find and meet great people to help them out, those who really want to uh, work on and improve in doing uh, their business goals, in doing their personal goals. And with our year-round service that we do, Uh, can really help businesses, like in these areas of employee classification, as I spoke about today, can really help ones to reach their goals. When you sign up into one of our uh, programs, be it a personal or business bundle, because each one is very specific to your particular goals, we help you to get the most out of either your business life and your financial life there. There's a lot of uh, information that's always coming out. And one of the issues that I always have when I see various news stories and I talk about individuals, various individuals, is that I sit there and I just think, have they actually ever done a tax return? Have they actually talked to someone who does tax returns? Because whether it be some type of news person or anybody out there who's proclaiming this about taxes, well, usually they just don't know what they're talking about because they haven't actually done a tax return. They haven't actually spoken to someone. Now, as we work with you to be able to develop your action plan, sometimes in developing your action plan, this can include in some areas such as uh, life insurance. It can include, include some type of investments. Now, uh, we can help you to find these options and to develop these options to be able to meet these goals. Also, with our year-round service, it's a great proactive solutions that helps you again because as we talk about in this program a lot, we, especially as we look at uh, what is happening uh, with potential tax laws again, being proactive is going to be so, so necessary which is what we strive to have everybody to do. And so, yes, I definitely invite you to Give me a call. I am in the midst of tax season here. I'm, I am very busy doing a lot of tax returns. 
but yet I really take pride in talking to individuals and I do this podcast even during tax season just because I feel all of these issues are so important and that you as a taxpayer person, you need to know these things. And there's so much wrong information out there and I just feel it's good for you to get accurate information, to get the correct information. And so when one's enrolled into our programs, you get access to be able to talk to me year-round, get to have nice uh, web uh, web conferencing available. So no matter where you are, we invite you to schedule cashtracksfinancial.com. We can schedule a free discovery session to see if our plan will work for you and then perhaps move forward or, or move on. But we're certainly here to be able to help you to do and to be successful either on an individual basis or on a business basis there. So again, you can reach me. It's successcashtracksfinancial.com or, of course, my phone number, 844-394-4287. I invite you to the website there, which is cashtracksfinancial.com. It has really been a wonderful ride today helping you to understand about classifying your employees correctly uh, and a few updates on the American Rescue Plan which we're going to continue to talk about that off and on as the year goes along so we're going to look forward to talking to you again next week at 9 a.m. Pacific certainly thank you for listening today to the Tax Answers Advisor I am Marcelino Dodge on the Voice America Business Channel. Thank you for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. We'll be back again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week.